Praise God. Praise God. God is good all the time. Just this day, um, before I get into the, to the core of the, uh, of the message here, and I mentioned Resurrection Sunday coming up and so forth, and thinking about what Jesus did for us. Thinking about what Jesus did for us also translates into us having the ability to praise God. Having the ability to praise God. Everything starts with praise. If you're at a point in your life that you really can't openly praise God, and one of the best ways to break through that barrier is by the raising of our hands when we're praying to him, because that's a sign of, it's a universal sign of surrender. The word of God speaks about raising hands many, many times. The song that we sang talked about raising our hands. We were singing, here we are in your presence, lifting holy hands to you. Praising God with lifted hands is spoken throughout, uh, throughout scripture. And I have found, personally even, the very first time that I went to a full gospel church, full born-again church, having been in other churches and so on like that. And when I went to the first full gospel church and saw there were about 600 people there, the musicians started praising and they got into the praise and worship time. So many people had their arms raised in in praise. And I felt kind of self-conscious, even though everybody around me was lifting their hands. When I finally started listening to the music and was praying and whatnot, the next thing I know, I found myself with my hands raised in praising God. And all I can say to you is that there was such a tremendous feeling of freedom. Now, can you praise God without raising hands? Yeah, I'm sure you can. All I'm just saying to you is that raising of the hands shows that you are submitting to God, and it gives you this wonderful feeling that, Lord, I praise you. You're greater than I am. I can do nothing without you. So if you want to succeed in life, remember how important praise is in your life and to be able to praise if you're so self-conscious that you've got to keep your hands to your side or you've got to do something else with your hands, I don't know, braiding your hair, brushing your teeth or something, whatever it is, hopefully you're not doing that in the middle of the sanctuary. But they seem to be so preoccupied with doing other things when we are praising God. You've got to realize that God inhabits the praises of his people. We read that scripture many times. So if you really want to have some breakthrough in your life, get to the point where you're not worried about who's around you. I mean, if you're really feeling in your heart, deep in your heart of hearts, Lord, I I just surrender to you, Lord, because I can't do it. I mean, that's what praise is all about. It's about you surrendering to God. And if you can't surrender to God, then God is not first in your life because you're thinking that you can still do it yourself. So I'm saying to you that as this year continues to unfold and it started out as a doozy starting in January and it still continues. We've got to get to a new place, the body of Christ, in worshiping God. We've got to get to a new place where, first of all, you are able to succeed in God, that he is really able to touch you the way he wants to touch you. But sometimes there's some tearing down that you may need to do in yourself. And it starts with praising. And I just say to you that if you cannot really praise God from your heart, then you're still holding back. You're still holding back. You heard, um, I'm sure you've heard many people say, from time to time, when asked about a decision that they made, we've all been there, I've been there, when asked about a decision that they made, and, well, did you think about that? And they're very quick to say to you, well, I prayed about it. They're very quick to say to you, well, I prayed about it. And then if you press a little bit more, and and being a pastor, sometimes I, I will tend to press a little bit more, especially if someone is coming to me for help. And I'll press the decision-making process. And then they will say again, well, I'm telling you, I prayed about it. Okay, and at that point, the look on their face is okay. Leave me alone because I consulted God. God told me to go ahead and do it. And so, therefore, that's exactly what I did. At that point, they're kind of telling you that uh, God God is bigger than you are. And so, therefore, if I prayed about it and God said, go do it, yep, that means go do it. And so at that particular point, I kind of usually back off because I'm not one to challenge God. If someone prayed about something and that's what God told them to do, then I'm certainly not going to say, well, God didn't tell you to do that. I would never be that presumptuous. Okay. But then I kind of step back and then I see and I observe what's happening in their lives. And obviously what's happening in their life is obviously they didn't do what God told them to do, even though they insist on saying, well, I prayed about it. They didn't go on to do what God told them to do, because otherwise they wouldn't be going through so many changes and and still struggling. Imagine 
if you needed direction or a decision from somebody on something, and you decided to pick up the phone and call a particular person, this person you really, really respected, you held them in high esteem and so forth like that, you respected their judgment, and you get them answering machine and you say, okay, you know, call me back, okay, I've got this so-and-so and so that I need some advice on, and you kind of lay out the problem and so on like that, and you hang up the phone, and an hour or two or whatever goes by, and the phone rings back, and you don't check the caller ID, you just pick up the phone and start talking, and this person starts telling you about your issue, telling you what decision it is that you should make, telling you the steps that you need to take and so forth, all right? And it starts sounding pretty good to you. It starts sounding pretty good. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you go and you follow that voice's advice. You follow that person's direction. You do what that person is telling you to do. But you didn't know who you were talking to. You did not know if that was the individual that you had originally called to get advice from. So the advice that they give you that you go on and you follow, that all of a sudden your life just falls apart, it's the worst bit of advice that you could even imagine, okay? But you took the advice because you didn't even stop to listen to whom it was that you were speaking. You did not recognize the voice. The, the, you did not recognize the voice. The problem is, is that you don't know where the, where the advice came from. And many times when we, as Christians, we wind up doing the same thing from, uh, with God. We pray for something that we're, we're, there's a situation in our life that we're praying about and we're asking for advice and direction and direction and direction. And then all of a sudden you get in your head, OK, this is what God is telling me to do. And you go on and act and it winds up being disastrous. We do the same thing with God. So the question is, then, who am I hearing from and, and, and what is being missed? What am I what am I missing? So today we're going to talk about the old saying, um, well, I prayed about it. And then how is it that you are really hearing God's voice to make sure that, well, I prayed about it doesn't turn out, be, turn out to be a disaster? Who was it that you were hearing it from? Let's go to John, book of John. We always have to go to the word of God for these matters. Amen. Book of John, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And verse number 25. I, I urge you to, um, to highlight your Bibles and take some notes or whatever, because if anyone needs a pen or a pencil, I may have one here, or you can borrow mine. Anyone need a pen or a pencil? Okay. I really advise you to take some... You need, you're good? Okay. I really advise you to take some notes here, because... Many of you, many of you are praying about, thinking about, considering career changes. You're considering on how to advance yourself at work. You're looking for where to go, what is my next step in life. And you've got prayers out there, at least I hope you do, if you're looking for these things. Decisions that you may wind up being called upon to make in the next week. And I prophesy that to you here today. In the next week, you're going to need to make some decisions. And I pray that the voice that you hear is not the strange person on the telephone in the little example that I just heard. And before you can make that decision saying, well, I prayed about it. Make sure that you did pray about it and make sure that you're hearing from God. But before you can even hear from God, today, today, this message is about what you need to ensure before you go out there and start making decisions and making changes that you think is an answer to a prayer. Okay? Okay? So starting with John, with John 10... Verse number 25. It's part of 22, I'm sorry. 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. 
underline, tell us plainly. If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Okay, see, there it is now. Tell us plainly. Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not. Underline, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you believe not. Underline, but you believe not. Because you are not my sheep, as I said unto you. Because you are not my sheep. You believe not because you're not my sheep. 27, key verse. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. One of the key verses there is that they know my voice and they follow me. Those who hear God's voice are those who belong to him. Those who have been saved by his grace through faith in the Lord Jesus, these are the sheep who hear and recognize his voice because they know him as their shepherd. If we are to recognize God's voice, first of all, we got to belong to him. We got to belong to him. And that goes a lot deeper than you simply saying, do you confess Jesus, Lord and Christ? Yes, I do. We've all prayed that sinner's prayer because we're born again. Easy to say that. But do you really, really belong to him? And how is it that we belong to him? If you are following God the Father and Jesus because he said, I and my Father are one, that means that he is first and you are following him. That means that he is first in your life and you are following him. It's hard to say that you are following somebody if you are first. Okay? Now hear this. It's hard for you to be following someone if you are first. If you are following someone, you must be second to the one that is first. No rocket science there. But if you're following someone, then you have to be second to someone that is first. But how much do you put God first in your life? How willing are you to put God before anything or anyone that's in your life? Is God really first? Are you following his direction? Okay. If I'm walking up here, let me borrow you from it, Brother Brandon. If I'm first and Brandon is following me, then he's following me wherever I go. Wherever I go, Brandon is following me, wherever I go. But then all of a sudden, Brandon gets it in his mind that he wants to be first. And so then he comes, and he's walking wherever he wants to go. He's walking, and he's walking, and he's walking. And I'm going over here, but he's not following me. This is where we make the mistake with God in our lives. We, God is going in one particular direction. He's saying, follow me. But then at some point in my mind, I make it up. That Thank you, Brother Brand. And at some point in my mind, I make it up that I'm not going to follow behind him. Or even sometimes you lose sight of God in your life. And so you go off and you start trying to do things on your own. But I prayed about it. Well, I prayed about it. Okay. So if we are going to say that we are going to, to, to know Jesus' voice and hear his voice, first of all, we've got to really, really follow him. And that means that, first of all, you've got to stop putting ourselves first. That oftentimes is not easy to do. Because we have our own dreams, our own aspirations. We feel that we know what's best for our lives, for our children, for our jobs, for our decisions, for our houses. You want to go buy a house and all of a sudden you've got this thing. God is leading you in a particular direction to a blessing, to really a blessing. But because of the fact there's something in your mind where you've got your mind made up what it is that you want in this particular house. And you go off in that particular direction. You're not following God. The direction that you may wind up going, the house that you wind up buying could be a total disaster. I've watched enough home shows with my wife, God bless her, you know, to see that these people want these houses. And they say, oh, I want, I want, um, what's the term they use for? I want a house with character, which means old. Okay? It means old. They want to have the, the old carving and so forth, which is all well and good. All well and good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with old houses. Okay, but what I'm saying to you is that they insist on this is what I want. I got to have this. I got to have that. In the meantime, maybe God will be taking you to a house in a different direction over here because God knows what's behind that wall. 
Many times I've seen on the home shows when they start tearing down, oh Lord, they got or the two, knob and tube uh, wiring, which is the old-fashioned wiring. They don't have grounded circuits in there. I mean, there's, the, the, sometimes the, 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 uh, the uh, support beams, the main, load, the main load-bearing beams in there have all sorts of jury rigging going on, and it's disaster behind the walls, which you can't see. You can't see the stuff that's behind the scene, but God can. But we have to be careful though, because then you go put in yourself first and you go after that house with the character. And then after you buy that house, it costs you hundreds of thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars at least to repair it because you put yourself first. So if you really know God and if you're following him, then you've got to follow God. Let's go to one Kings. You've got to follow God. You can only benefit, benefit from listening to God and not doing your own thing. You see, and it's so easy for us to put ourselves first. It's amazing also to think that we actually think that we know better than God. Okay? We don't say as much, but you say it by your actions, because if you didn't believe that, you wouldn't do that thing that you did that got you in the hot water. When you're trying to save yourself and trying to follow yourself, your own thinking. Okay? So you want to get away from that thing. Well, I prayed about it as you stand in there digging yourself out of the ditch that you've made, but I prayed about it. Many times people say that just to make themselves... Look so pious and godly. Or just to shut you up. Well, I prayed about it. But did you? But did you, did you know Jesus' voice when you got that answer? Were you following Jesus closely enough to know, to know that he was telling you don't go in that direction or don't do this or don't do that or don't say that or say this? So we see here in 1 Kings uh, 17, chapter 17, sorry, chapter 17. Putting God first. Chapter 17, starting with verse number 1. Chapter 17, verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. Please underline, he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. He went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. If you have some place or margin in your Bible where it says, and he went and did according to the word, write the word, he, the words he obeyed. He obeyed. See? Right there, God told him to do something, and he obeyed. He said, God said in verse number four, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, a lot of people would stand back and say, now, wait a minute now. How is this? I'm going to go and sit by some brook and the birds are going to come down and then feed me. He didn't challenge that. I mean, it sounds kind of far-fetched. Okay? You see? How many times has God told told you something in your life? And and I will bet you dollars to donuts that every believer sitting here in this room has had this in their lives. And they pushed it out of their, their minds. Where deep in your spirit there was a quiet voice that told you, don't do that. Don't take that advice. Don't make that choice, but you ignored it. You ignored it because you wanted to do what you thought you should do. As a child of God, Holy Spirit is constantly there talking to you, but do you hear him? Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't shout. You don't always hear a booming voice from God when he's talking to you about doing something or not doing something. See, but he didn't challenge me. The word of God says that, that he went on and he did as he was told to do. So he, he obeyed. Then it goes on in verse number six and says, And the raven, raven, sure enough, brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I got to just pull back and dwell on this for a minute. And in and, and decisions that you that you'll be needing to make. God is going to tell you to do some things or not do some things that may not seem as anything to do what it is that you're praying about or thinking about doing. It may seem to be totally unrelated or totally impossible. Ravens feeding you. You think about that. 
When you hear these things that God will be telling you to do, where it may seem to be totally unrelated, remember, this is God you're dealing with. You're not dealing with a man. You're not dealing with another individual, another man or a woman. You're dealing with God. So when God gives you an instruction, don't go challenging him and think, well, God, how can ravens feed me? Don't go challenging him. You go and you do what God is telling you to do. Amen? And the trick is, though, you've got to know if this is God telling you to do this. Then it goes on to say, um, and then in verse number eight, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow, a woman there to sustain thee. So underline, get thee there, uh, get thee to Zarephath. Underline that. Okay. And then in your margin again, write in your margin, write direction. Here again, God is giving direction to do something. Okay, and he said, I've told a woman over there to sustain you. In other words, to feed you and to carry you. So then verse number 10 says, so what? He did what? He arose and went. Underline arose and went and write the word obeyed. Okay, see? There was the first step of him, of him telling him to go where the ravens were going to feed him. He obeyed and did that. Now the next step, God is telling him, okay, I want you to get up and go away to Zarephath because there's a woman that's going to take care of you. Then you're going to say, then you say, well, wait a minute. Here I'm going to go into a strange town and there's going to be some woman there that's going to sustain. What am I supposed to go knock on the door and say, hey, you're going to feed me? I mean, this totally sounds outrageous. You see, this is again where we start putting ourselves first and not God instead of being just just totally obedient to him. So he says that then. So he went up, he got up and he, he went in verse number 10. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was uh, and as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in my barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and die. Okay. so now the man of God says, prepare me a cake. And she says, well, wait a minute. All I have is this little bit and it's going to be for me and my son. Who was put first? She's thinking about herself there. Okay. man of God says, prepare me a cake. And he says, no, 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 no. I only have a little bit. How many times has God put something into your life and you stop and you think in your mind, in your heart of hearts, in your mind, well, wait a minute, what's that going to do to me if I do that? Someone is in need. We talk about feeding the poor, giving to people. You say, oh, well, I only have a little bit. How can I give to them? Why should I give to them? But God tells us to do this. But we don't, we, we put ourselves first, you see. If you're following Jesus, we got to do this all the way because you'd be surprised. And I'm going to get to the more. You'd be surprised how it's these little things in life will get you to the point where you're not following God. Therefore, you're unable to hear Jesus voice. Therefore, you are unable to do what it is that God wants you to do. You do something that another voice or yourself is telling you to do. And then your life is in a mess. Then you say, well, I prayed about it. But who are you putting first? So she says that she said, well, I have a little bit. You know, we, we're going to eat it and then we're going to die. Verse 13 says, and Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, underline the word first, but make me a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee for thy son. Okay, so make a cake for me first, underline that, did you underline, make a cake and then make for thee and thy son. So God is just saying basically through him, he's saying, put me first and then worry about yourself. Now, don't you think that God knows what your need is? You've got this prayer out there that you're hoping for, this change you want to make, this purchase you want to do, or whatever it is. You, you think, don't you think God knows what, what it is that you need? So when God starts telling you to put him first, but you actually say, but then, but then if I do that, Lord, I'm not going to have enough in my pocket, in my bank account. I'm not going to be able to do this. I won't have time for this. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Instead of just doing what God tells you to do. But then for, verse 14 goes on to say, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel. The barrel of meal, underline all the 14 here, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Okay? So now God is saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay? What you have, it will not fail. You see, a lot of times we don't give, we don't give to people, we don't give to the poor, we don't dig in our pockets. It's because we think for some reason our bank accounts, we don't have enough, we don't have enough. 
Instead of saying that I need to follow God here, God is saying that I need to give to God is saying, God is saying I need to do this. Don't you think God knows your need? See? See? But we don't think about that. You've got this, you've got this major ask of God. You've got this major prayer to God. You've got a heck of a decision to make. You know, be it about your future career, your, a home that you want to buy, whatever it may be. You've got all that. But you don't stop to think about it's the little things that God expects us to do as Christians, but we wind up putting that to the side because we put ourselves first. God knows what your need is. You don't think if you do what God tells you, he'll make your bank account blossom? You know? And I found that there are many, 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 many Christians who refuse to do those kinds of things and they just can't seem to keep two dollars in their hands. The minute they, they, they make a repair on something in the house, something else breaks down. The minute they have a repair on that, something else goes. There's always something, something, something to make the money slip through their fingers because they're not doing what God says and to take care of someone else first. See, okay, so then she says there, um, uh, it says there, for thus say Lord, and then... Um, uh, you shall eat verse number 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. In your, in your Bible, in the column, in the, in the uh, margin, write the word obeyed. Now here the man of God told her what to do and she obeyed. Okay? And she wept and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Okay? Did what, what God told her to do in the eight. In verse 16. And the barrel of meal wasted not. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Now, suppose she had decided to not obey him. What would have happened? Suppose she had decided not to do what the man of God said to do. He said, don't worry, you shall eat. And surely enough, she did eat. How many times does God tell us things kind of similar to that? I'll sustain. Don't worry. You know, don't do this. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. And then you start thinking about, well, I, what about me? What about me? What about me? But then you say, though, I hear God's voice and I follow him, but you're not following him because what if she didn't follow him here? You see, you're not putting God first. See, it all ties together. All right. Then it goes on to say in verse number 17, and it came to pass after these things. That the son of the woman, the matri- uh, the mistress of the house, uh, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore, was so bad, that there was no breath left in him. He died. And she went unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come, and come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and slay my son? And he said to her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into, the lo- into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, underline, and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came unto him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and the word of the Lord is in, uh, is in, in thy mouth uh, is truth. So here we see that obedience is a repetitive theme here. What if she had decided not to do what Elijah said? Or even worse, what if Elijah had, had disobeyed God and not gone to Zarephath to meet this woman, to be there? To okay, Now, if she decided that, no, I'm sorry, I'm starving. I just got paid. I just got my check. I just got my direct deposit. Tithe, 10 percent off the top before Uncle Sam takes out. Ta- I can't do that. I got rent to pay. I got this to do. I got that to do. You're not putting God first. I'm worried about what's going to be left in my bank. I've got groceries to buy. The cruise of oil and the meal in your house shall not fail. It shall not fail. You put God first. You bite the bullet. Put God first. Your cruise of oil and your meal in your house, in your bank account. The issues with your children, the issues at school, the issues at work shall not fail because God will bless you. If this woman had not been obedient and Elijah had to go on, let's say, maybe to find some food someplace else, her son died, Elijah would not have been there to bring him back. 
So this tells us that if you obey God and put him first in what he tells you to do and stop thinking about what do you have, what it is that I want to do, that you will never maybe know what God has in store for you. Because of what she did, her son was saved. The same way God can bring a blessing into your life that will greatly, greatly surprise you. Greatly surprise you because you decided to follow him and to put him first. You decided to put him and follow him first. The obedience is something, it's a repetitive theme that's, that's throughout both of these scriptures here. And the, that obedience includes the trivial things of man's laws. Because God told us in his word to obey the law of the land. Man's laws include, you know, uh, um, little things we take through, like, you know, you know, speeding on the highway, you know, going through a red light, you know. Doing all, all, all sorts of, uh, of trivial things, you know, things that we do in driving and whatnot, you know. <laughs> I had the family in the car, and we were going someplace or whatever. Son and daughter-in-law in the car. And later on that day, we were talking about something. And my daughter-in-law said, yeah, like Mike does. He makes those moving stops at those stop signs, okay? And I had a bad habit of instead of coming to a full stop, I kind of come up to the stop sign, look around, and keep going around the corner. Okay, I look and I, as I'm moving, I'm looking and I'm seeing here that there's no one coming and so I'm making these moving stops and that is against the law. Okay, you know, and after I thought about it, she was 100% right. I said, well, you know, that's a very good law because the way we've got trees and everything's down here in South Salem, I mean, I could make a turn like that and not see a car hidden by behind a tree or some other visual obstruction that I would have and I could get T-boned. You see? So the laws of the land are something else. I we no matter how trivial, you know? I saw, saw a guy, he was rushing um, to get into a, I was driving to the parking lot, and there are a good old Walmart over there, and there are, um, he was rushing to get into a parking lot. I guess he thought I was going into it, and it was a handicapped parking space. I wasn't going into the handicapped parking space, so he drove, zipped around me, went into the handicapped parking space. So I kind of looked at him in amazement. And I was just so puzzled, I kind of just sat there for a minute because I could see him when I did, I could see him. And I watched him get out the car, the truck. The guy jumped down from off the top of the truck and did like that, and he kind of walked very briskly into the store, you know. And I said, yeah, he parked, beating into a handicapped parking space, and I did not see a handicapped sticker in there, all right. And, and, and yet still, this guy doesn't appear to be disabled in any matter. Okay, now I know that there are many disabilities being working for the state for many years, many disabilities that are not always visible, you know, so I don't go challenging that. But I also know there was someone that I knew that, that, that had no disability, but she went to the doctor's office and got the doctor, you know, to write this letter that she couldn't walk or whatever, and she wound up getting a sticker because the, doc, the doctor just gave her a note. These doctors should be ashamed of themselves, okay? But this guy now, he went on doing that. And so I'm sitting there, I'm saying to myself now, first of all, he's breaking the law because there's nothing wrong. He doesn't deserve to be parking there. Secondly, what about someone that's handicapped that really does need the space, okay? And then the third thing is, which, which, is which people overlook now, by you lying like that, especially if you're a Christian, by you lying like that and going into a handicapped parking space, what are you really saying? You're saying, I'm handicapped. All right? You're saying I'm handicapped because I deserve to park there. I don't care if it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's for 10 seconds. If it says handicapped, you're not handicapped, you shouldn't be going there. But we're supposed to be obeying the laws. So you're confessing to yourself that I'm parking there because I'm handicapped. So what kind of door are you opening up for yourself? You, you, you are talking and confessing disability onto yourself. You see? You see? So there's all these little things we go through life and we think that they're trivial and we don't realize we're disobeying God there because God said to obey the laws of the land. The handicapped space does not say, park here if you're in a hurry, park here if you're only going to be five minutes, park here if you're only going to be 30 seconds, or park here just because your feet are tired. You know, okay. No, it says if you've got any, that's what the law says. And if you look at the handicapped sticker, the handicapped sticker actually says in accordance with ORS 1234.so-and-so, it's in accordance with a law. So God says to obey the laws of the land. We kind of trivialize that and we move on past it and then we don't realize that we're not obeying God. We're not putting God first here by sticking to the law. We're putting, we're putting myself back because my need is that I need to get in where I'm going in a hurry or it's raining too hard. The, the, the handicapped space is close to the door. I, 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 I. Okay? But then you've got this prayer out there where you're asking God to bless you or to tell you what to do and then you think that you're going to hear his voice and Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. The whole time you're in that handicapped parking space getting out of your car, maybe Holy Spirit was saying to you, don't park there, don't park there, don't park there. But you didn't seem to know his voice then. So you just only know his voice when it's good for you. 
No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And you can't go blaming God, shaking if it's over, Lord, I prayed about it. And you make the wrong decision. If you're going to follow him, then you've got to follow him. When you live like this, you're just putting, you're not putting God first. When prayers are not answered or you don't get solutions, then you wonder why. If someone, and then on top of that, if someone challenges you on your decision, and then you wind up saying back to them, well, I prayed about it, but yes, no, you didn't really pray about it. If you did pray about it, you didn't listen about it. So how can you expect to get an answer from God when you're not following him? Sometimes you want to hold on to something, someone, a lifestyle, something that you just love or you're accustomed to doing. You've got this thing in your head. There's a song by, maybe have heard me mention it before, by um, Alvin Slaughter. What's that in your hand? I forget the exact title, but he sings in that where, what's, where God is saying, what's that in your hand? I am else, else to die. I shall provide all of your needs and so on. He says, if you're willing to, if you're willing to lose it, the words say, then I can use it. This is what God is saying. So many times you are holding on to something so dearly that God can't bless you. Again, because you're not putting God first. You see, you see, if, if God told you to, God told Abraham, to sacrifice long-awaited Isaac. Now, God forbid that any of us have a decision like that to make. You know? God forbid. I mean, it would be hard for me. I will say that to you up front. I will be honest with you. But in the final analysis, what would I do? I would do it. Because otherwise it would be hypocritical for me to be standing up here saying this to you. God sacrificed his only, not, I mean, um, um, Isaac, Abraham sacrificed Isaac that he loved. God told him to do it. And as a result of that, what the scriptures say, at the moment he had the dagger poised to come down on his son, the angel interrupted him and said, do not, for God has provided. And there was a ram in the bush to use for a sacrifice. But how many times, how many times has God simply told us to do something? To get rid of something, to buy something, to spend something, to treat someone, to do so-and-so for something or for someone. And you still just held on to because you just couldn't, you know, you know. I've got a lot of gadgets and things. I love gadgets, as you all know, electronics and so on like that. And what if God was to come and say to give your most popular electronic gadget to so-and-so, would I give it up? A lot of people are chuckling. A lot of people here love gadgets, I see, too, huh? Right? You know, give them that tablet and you can take it and you can hold it on to it, can barely, can barely apply it out of your hands. Amen? Amen? So, 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 sometimes, you, they told you, so, so sometimes we have to, to give up what it is that God wants us to give up. Let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. God speaks to us, and many times we hear the word of God, and there's some, there's some stuff that goes on in our spirits. There's some stuff. You can be set free. You can be set free if you take what God is saying to you or what you're experiencing and turn it back to God or acknowledge, if acknowledgement is the case, to acknowledge what's going on in your life. God loves us, and sometimes through his word he chastises us. But he chastises us because he loves us. Sometimes the word of God points out things in our lives that we need to make corrections. I've told some of you here, um, you know, in more private settings, that there are many times I'm up here and I'm preaching and the Holy Spirit will minister to me. Well, yeah, you need to also, you wrote that down in today's sermon. You need to look at that yourself. You see, because the word of God does that. But the thing with the word of God is that God, God, God convicts you, but he doesn't condemn you. Conviction is this is what's going on. This is what you need to change. That's of God. Condemnation is of the devil. And that's when there's no way you're finished. You did this. You did that. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You're done and you're finished. There's no hope. That's condemnation. 
Holy Spirit convicts us and makes us feel that there's something in my life that I need to look at, that I need to change, because God is telling you that there's hope for you, there's a better way for you, for you. If you do this and you let this happen in your life, you're going to, boy, you're going to be so victorious that you won't believe it. That's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Because none of us are perfect. God knows that. We all make mistakes. We all make errors in judgment. The reason why we come to church and we hear the word of God is so that we can put, 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 put our life's structure uh, uh, in, in a format and put it up, align it up next to the word of God to see where we need to make changes. You see, because you've got to believe, you've got to believe, you've got to believe that God's only intention, God's ultimate intention is for you to be victorious. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be the victor over every single situation in your life. Every single situation in your life. And I mean everything. I was doing something in the backyard and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I said, boy, oh boy, Lord, help me to get this done. And every single time he shows me the way to do it. So the same thing is with other things in our lives. But you've got to be to the point that you're willing and you're open to hear from the word of God. So we see here John 6, um, uh, verse number 1. And we're talking about here holding on to things and whatnot, not being willing to let go. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into, into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the, uh, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? So here the problem is being stated. stated. Where are we going to get bread so these people can eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now here what Jesus did was he was asking Philip, What shall we do about feeding all these people? Jesus knew. Jesus had the answer already, but he was testing Philip. He was testing Philip. Many times God will say the things to us or put a situation in our lives to see what it is that we're going to do, how we are going to react. Many times God will put one with a choice going before you to see what you're going to do about which way you're going to choose. Because God knows what's going to happen already. Jesus knew what was coming down the pike. Jesus saw all those 5,000 people out there, so he knew what was going to be. But he said to Philip, what should we do? What should we do? Philip answered him and said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take, may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brothers, saith unto him. Well, before we get to that, let's go back to 7 again. Philip said to him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient. In other words, he looked at his bank account. He looked at his bank account and he said, well, wait a minute, all we have is so much money. How is that going to feed all these people? Jesus put a question to him. Jesus proposed a problem to him. What shall we do to feed all of these people? And instead of now, Philip had been with Jesus to see the miracles and see the things that he had done. But instead of going to that place, Philip went to the natural. He looked at how much they had in their treasury. We only have a few bucks here. We can't feed all of these people. But Jesus had asked, remember I said, Jesus asked him, what shall we do? And the scripture says, but Jesus already knew. But he wanted to see where Philip was going to come from. Okay. So many times God, again, with us, he'll put things in our life. He'll put a decision in our lives. And maybe he'll put put the choice before you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Before you go looking at the natural for a solution to your problem, what about thinking about what is it that Jesus would do? How would Jesus handle the situation in my life? What should I do, Lord, to answer that question? He goes on to say there um, in verse number eight, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? So put a little bracket around verse number nine there. There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. 
Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that, that, uh, that should come into the world. Now here, the key verse here is number nine. There is a lad which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. This was the lad's lunch or whatever. His mom, a small lad, so I'm guessing maybe his mother made up that lunch. Suppose when they started talking about all these people, how are we going to feed them? And the disciples said, well, we, we don't have much money and whatever. <laughs> then one the other disciple there looks over and sees this little kid with his lunch. Boy, this kid got lunch, you know. You know, it's kind of cruel in a way, but we're going to take his lunch, <laughs> you know. Now, Scripture doesn't say, but the boy didn't say, you ain't getting my lunch, and jump up and run off the hill and disappear. He didn't go running down the hill screaming, Mommy, 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 that man trying to take my lunch. He didn't go screaming. At least the scripture doesn't tell us that. Okay, obviously the boy gave him the lunch. But what if the kid didn't want to do that, you see? So what he had in his hand, he was willing to give up. And as a result of his giving up what was his, many, 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 many were blessed. Many were blessed, okay? So if we're really, really going to be following God, Jesus says, I have to be first. And my sheep know my voice. Then it means we have to be willing and able, willing and able to give up or sacrifice whatever it is that we have. Whatever it is. You see, because in the final analysis, saints of God, you've got to remember that everything that you have, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have it. Everything that you are, you wouldn't be if it wasn't for God. If it wasn't for the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. 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 So while you may be in a job, in a position that you wish you could go on to a better place or to another place, God put you in that position. You need to be thankful for that to start with. No matter where you are, God put you there. God permitted you to have. You're not starving. You have a place to live. You've got a loving family. So be thankful for those things and, and bless him and bless him and praise him for that. And then when you go on to the next step and you're looking for this, all right, Lord, this is where I would like to go. I would like to ascend. I would like to go here, go there, do what? Um, I, I want to get this house. I want to buy this car. Uh, 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 I, I, I'd like to get a dog for my house to keep me, keep me, me comfortable and keep me safe, okay? Lord, what, what is it that I should do? And if you're following God, think back to the little demonstration that Brandon and I did a minute ago, a few minutes ago. If you're following God, and you're letting God be first in your life on all levels, and you're not trying to get out in front of, ahead of God as if to lead Him, you see? See, because the, the thing about it is that, you know, when you're being first like that, especially because you're not God, and you don't know all things, when you're being first like that, you can't see behind you. So you don't know where God is going, because you're too busy being first. You're too busy trying to blaze the trail for your own life. So you're not, you're not looking back, well, Lord God, where are you, where are you going? Okay? Because I guarantee you, more, more than likely, God's not going where you're going. Not at all. So you need to have someone, you know, if, 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 if I was going on some trip cross country, you think I'm just going to grab some guy off the street and say, here, lead me across the country, get in the car, and I'll just follow you? Yeah, yeah, or, right, or hitchhiking, yeah. You know, you think, you know, and no one in this room would do something like that, okay? I'll just, I'll just go wherever you go blindly. You see, you see, see, but God knows where he's going. And more importantly, God knows where he wants you to go. You see, you see. So, so the key here in moving forward is that, is that we hear God's voice and we know God's voice. We can follow it more easily is, is when you spend time with him in, in, the, in the Bible. You spend time with him. It starts as simply with even down saying your prayers. All of us have gotten in bed so tired. Okay, I'm going to pray. Sister smiling, she knows exactly what I'm going to say, probably. Put your head on the pillow. And in your heart of heart, you earnestly are desiring to pray. Next thing you know, you're praying with one eye open. Then the next thing you know, two eyes are closed. It's gone. The clock rings or whatever goes on, whatever gets you up first. We all have been there. So if you really honestly want to put God first, you just jump up out of bed and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to say my prayers. Okay, I'm going to say my prayers. I kind of had that morning, that morning, this, today, I will be honest with you. I kind of tossed and turned last night, so when it was time for me to, to, to get up, I actually said, all right, Lord, I'm going to lay here and I'm just going to pray to you. This is the truth. 
And what I've gotten into the habit of doing is late I start my prayers and then I go and I get on the treadmill and put my earphones in and some praise music on. And as I'm running and walking on the treadmill, I'm praying God and so on like that. Okay. But I started to say, well, I'm going to lay it for a half hour now. I heard the Lord distinctly say, you need to come pray. I kid you not. You need to come pray. So I was tired, but I got up. And when I got down, they had a glorious walk, a glorious prayer time and everything. You see, but you got to put God first. God first. All right. You don't know what's going on in your life. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You see. So that comes with spending time with God in prayers. It comes with, with, with spending time reading the Bible. You know, just don't read the Bible while you're sitting here at church. You know, how many have the Bible sitting on their coffee table and it just collects dust? You open it up and moths fly out of it. You know, read your Bible. Read your Bible. You know, and I'm, I'm not being holier than thou, but because I'm telling you, I've been there in those things. I've been there, especially before I retired when it was so hard to spend time with God and, and, and ministering and going to a, 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 I can't even say an eight to four job because it was eight to whatever time you got off, basically. OK, but you've got to put God first and he will make the way. He will give you the energy. He'll give you the strength when you're feeling the most tired, but you still push on and you go and you do what God is calling you to do. It, 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 and I don't know how to describe, but you get a, a, a second blast. You get a second breath of wind. You get rejuvenated because you made an effort to spend that time with God. You see, so that's how you get to know him and you get to follow him. You, you know, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's easier to recognize his voice and his leading in our lives when you're doing those things. Employees at a bank, they certainly know what a counterfeit looks like. Bill. Amen. Do you know what God's voice sounds like? Amen. 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 So put God first. Walk away from here today is, is putting God first in my life. So that I don't have to wind up always going around saying, well, I prayed about it, okay, with negative results. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.